0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to
0: Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with
1: you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I am good. I am refreshed. And I am looking towards the countdown clock because training camp is just around the corner. Yeah, When when does
0: uh, when's first high school practice, by the way? We're not that far away.
1: July 24th. Like, it's the same. It's just like yeah. it's just like NFL training camp, July twenty-fourth, first scrimmage is August eleventh. And so I mean it's on it happens. Like DJ, we talk about it. once you pass the fourth of July, yeah, like it, it is goes fast. you're in the car downhill, like you're going. And so it's funny, I got my assignments for whatever back to football weekend, kickoff, whatever. So I think I'm going to Arizona for that. I was there okay last for year.
0: the opening one. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think I I'm gonna scrimmage. be in Indy.
1: Oh, that's cool. You get a chance to see the quarterback. Get a yeah, chance to yeah, see some of fun. the hype. That should, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, this is the exciting time. And so um, it's funny. I'll hit you with this real quick because uh, I was on radio this weekend and my partner was asking, like, hey, man, what's the, the biggest thing that you're worried about right now if you're an executive heading into training camp? I was like, man, you just don't want any blunders or accidents.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: you want guys to come in shape, but you don't want them to do anything crazy. DJ, I'm not going to lie. It makes me cringe a little bit. When I see some of the workout videos of guys like getting ready, because they're not protected at this time, and you can't put them in bubble wrap, but it's like, man, like just just want everybody to get a training camp. Have you heard? You've heard like how you could have uh,
0: endorsed local providers, right? So you get like a bigger, you know, bigger chain. They, they, but they endorse local investment stuff. You'll see that. Like we endorse these people. I almost wonder if teams, like I'm surprised the NFL hasn't found a way to kind of. Get, get in on this a little bit with all these mm-hmm. outside training facilities be like hey look we you know the, you, you can obviously train at your facility when you want but then if you're if you're away from your facility like we stamp we'll stamp these guys each city will have an endorsed local provider we're like okay this is a safe place we've educated them in terms mm-hmm. of stretching hydrate they, they've been through the basic stuff that we need so to keep you guys from from getting hurt I, I, it seems to me like that'd be beneficial for all parties
1: it would be beneficial. And, I man, I wish I had brought this up before when we were planning the podcast. I don't know if you saw the article in Sports Illustrated on Pat Mahomes and what he did last offseason. mm that's it. Okay, so I think Connor Orr might have written the piece is in Sports Illustrated, and he was talking about last year what Pat Mahomes did. He had all the wide receivers and skill guys meet him at his uh, training spot where he trains with this trainer. They came and they worked out. And so unlike where some guys just meet for a weekend and they throw, basically they did phase one of the off-season program down in Texas under Pat. So Pat, they would get up, they would work out, they would go, they would run routes, they would do that. But DJ, the Kansas City Chiefs coaches were in on it. So they would watch film, they would send stuff, they would have virtual sessions while doing it. And so in the article, it raised – is this the wave of the future when it comes to the off season where a, you don't have to be here. You go with your people, they come Mm -hmm. together and do it. And then you're basically able to get the off season going without it being in a facility. So that way you still get the camaraderie, you still get all the other stuff to get into work, but you're not restricted by the hours that you would be if you're in the building, because Mm -hmm. when you're away, remember like there's no clock. So they were able to, I won't say, circumvent the rules, but in a way they were able to circumvent the rules to have an off-season program away from the facility, but get all the work that you would normally do in the facility.
0: Yeah, the challenging thing is as you get older in your career, and Pat's got a couple kids now too, so it's going to be a home game for the quarterback, but it's with, with the other guys, you get some veteran receivers and they've got families and stuff. like <laughs> That's not an easy sell. That's not an easy sell to the family. Like, hey, oh, I know the season doesn't start for another couple months, but we're going to go spend the next three weeks in Texas. Like...
1: Wait, what? What, Dad? I thought we were going to the Bahamas. What are we doing? You know, like, so I wonder, but you know, it's a doable thing, like, because of what you're dealing with. And I think there's uh, some ways that you can do it to get it done. I just think it's fascinating. We always talk about the quarterback and how important it is for the quarterback to kind of be the leader, the orchestrator, and Mm. being able to do some of that. Uh, I think it's fascinating that Pat Mahomes was able to do it. And the fact that they won the Super Bowl after that, you know, it's a copycat league. Um, this is one of those things that I think we have to keep an eye on who can organize uh, a virtual offseason away from the facility, but get the guys up to speed so they can hit the ground running because they talked about it allowed them to hit the ground running when they got together in Kansas City.
0: Yeah. And I think Kansas City, we've talked about this on previous pods, is a team under Andy Reid that understands the importance of the beginning of the season where it's become kind of, a cliche of like, hey, the first four games of the regular season is like the preseason. Like, not the Chiefs. The Chiefs want home field advantage, and that that is a very big deal. And they get out to a screaming start because they hit the ground running. They hit and camp. All-, all those other things we've talked about in the past. How they don't look at this as giveaway games. They don't. They do not look at like easing into the season.
1: No, they they they, they hit it hard, and it's funny because like. Andy Reid was in in Green Bay as the tight ends coach and then the quarterback's coach when I was up there. And Mike Holmgren didn't necessarily approach it like that. He didn't – like it wasn't like a super physical camp and those things. But guys are understanding. You got to get ready to play. You you Mm got to start banging it around. You got to hit it running. And with only three preseason games, you got one. Are you going to play either week one or week two? But that's it. And so if you can take advantage of joint practices, if you can take advantage of a very physical training camp, It gives you an opportunity to really hit the ground running and take advantage of that early run that gives you momentum and the inside track to the number one seed because it's really important now with only one bye. 100%. 100%. Uh, we are, uh, we're we're going to get
0: going here, Buck, and talk about some uh, teams that haven't really got a lot of hype going into this season. So that, I came up with five teams. I want to get your thoughts on that. We're also going to get a uh, an opportunity to look at can- a last place to first place. We see it all the time. Who is that candidate this year? A couple other things we might get to as well if we have some time. Uh, but before we get that, I'm going to read off uh, some names here, Buck, and you tell me uh, what they all have in common. You ready? Mm-hmm. Um, Kyler Murray – Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, Aaron Rodgers, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, Trey Lance, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz. You know what those guys have in common, Buck? Uh, they were all drafted
1: high, maybe except for Derek Carr. All Derek Carr wasn't.
0: All those guys, opening day starting quarterbacks last year for their team. This okay. year, none of them are with that. Are going to be starting. It most likely won't be starting for that same team again this year. So we could have 14 new starting quarterbacks this year for teams. That is insane to me. That uh, That's courtesy of our buddy Jack Andrade from NFL Research, by the way. That, that came through an email, and I was like, wait, let me double check this. Like, is that right? And then, you know, there's a couple in there where it's TBDs, you know, Davis Mills, we'll see what happens mm-hmm. there with him. But uh, for the most part, you're looking at this list going, holy
1: cow, that is an unbelievable amount of change. It was almost half the league. That is half the league. And you know what, DJ, we've talked about this and we've gradually talked about how the, the pro game is becoming more like the college game. And I think we'll continue to see that kind of turnover at quarterback because as the price tag goes up to where quarterbacks are making uh, $50 million annually, you now have to make hard decisions on who your starting quarterback is going to be. And so it's almost as if teams are going to have to make a decision Are we player driven or are we system driven? Meaning, do we have a system where we can plug and play quarterbacks in that and get them ready to play? Or do we have a star quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and we just do what he's able to do? But when you have that much turnover at what we will all recognize as the most important position, man, you better be a flexible and adaptable coach to be able to get a team to play and play well with a new part at that that wheel hub.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you look at the way this breaks down, I mean, you've got some guys like Kyler Murray's coming off injury. We don't think he'll be ready at the start of the season. So that's why Colt McCoy uh, wind up getting the nod there. You think about Kenny Pickett. I mean, technically, yeah, he's a returning starter, but he didn't start the beginning of the season because you had Mitch Trubisky last year, and Kenny Pickett took over, uh, and and off you go. Brock Purdy and and Trey Lance, like Trey was a starter to start the season last year, that's a little influx. We don't know with Purdy's health what that looks like there. Sam Darnold's now been thrown into the mix there. But to me, there's just so much uncertainty and so much new that I almost, Buck, when I look at this, say well, man, what, has there ever been a better advantage for the teams that do have continuity when there's so much turmoil and shakeup
1: everywhere else? That's the thing, DJ, and that's why continuity is so important. I mean, that's why you, you want to keep everything in place and have as little change because you want to be able to let your team grow together. And if you have the chemistry where, man, you you, you know how to play together, you notice that you're not learning a new system. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that thing... Is an advantage because you talk about 14 new quarterbacks, talk about the number of new head coaches, uh, the number of new play callers and coordinators and a lot of transition. And in a league where, man, you talk about every game being important in a league that is super competitive. Yeah, it's a huge advantage for those who have the ability to keep their core together and to keep their coaching staff together as well.
0: And I'm looking through this thing and I'm just thinking, I mean, just off the top of my head. So that's those are 14 you look at the New England Patriots, new offensive coordinator, the Chargers, mm-hmm. new offensive coordinator, the Broncos, new offensive coordinator. I mean, we could go through the rest of these teams. So really, when you look at the teams that have the same play caller and quarterback from the beginning of last year to this year, maybe, maybe, maybe less than you know, 9, 10 teams we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, nine, 9, 10 teams, and those teams are look like a step ahead of it. One of the reasons why the Kansas City Chiefs have been so good for so long, they haven't had a lot of turnover at the most important spots. Yeah, they've had offensive coordinators kind of come and go, but Andy Reid yeah, is the one. Kind of still the guy. Yeah, but Andy's still the guy. Yeah, he makes it happen. And then you think about quarterbacks. They went from Alex Smith to Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes had an opportunity to have a redshirt year before he assumed the entire thing. So he had an opportunity to really learn the offense that didn't change. He steps in and it's continued to be the same. And I think what I love about what they have been able to do is their system is like structured, but adaptable and flexible. Mm-hmm. Pat Mahomes is a much different quarterback than Alex Smith, but because Andy Reid has been able to take his offense and mow around the strengths of the team while still kind of plugging pieces around it, uh, it, it just works. And when you have that continuity between play caller and quarterback, man, you just think about just the advantage that you have on everybody else because you don't have to go through those early steps of, hey, what what do I have on this? You continue mm-hmm. to build upon what you've established in previous seasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking obviously Dallas, who loses Kellen Moore, you know, mm-hmm. he goes to the Chargers, so they're still that's going to be a little new, a little different there. Yeah. Philly, Shane Steichen's gone. Um, I mean, you can go through all these list of teams. That's why I look at teams, and we'll get we're going to actually have a little NFC North discussion here in a little bit. But I get to a team like Detroit. Who had some success last year. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you look like, oh, we we out, were able to keep our coordinator when we had a hot year offensively. We kept our quarterback with Jared Goff. Like when you look at all this change everywhere else, like that's a team that could be po- uh, poised to kind of take off and launch a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, those guys and, and Detroit in particular, like to be able to keep Ben Johnson the way that they were able to do, to be able to continue to build around Jared Goff to kind of, Sat up and say, Hey, Jerry Goff is that guy. Like the way that he mm-hmm. played, why wouldn't he? Because DJ, when he plays great, man, he, is, he was phenomenal last year when he had it going. They were one of the toughest, tougher offenses to defend because they could spread all over the yard, but they also had a physicality to them because they could run the football. And that offensive line, I don't think people pay close enough attention to what the Detroit Lions do at the line of scrimmage. They have some trench warriors, man. They control the line of scrimmage. They're able to kind of play bully ball when they want to. And then Jerry Goff has been so good. At taking care of the ball and being efficient with the ball, uh, that's why he's a great fit for them right now. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: I mean, uh, the Ravens, by the way, are another team with a new coordinator and uh, coordinator, so,
1: and a lot of a lot of new furniture, a lot of new yes. furniture around the quarterback.
0: Yes. Um, so it, it's interesting to see if if you know maybe that's a topic we go a little deeper on in another episode. But just the continuity and stability, off the top of my head, Buck, you, like you think about it, and I'm like, mm-hmm. gosh, Kansas City, Cincinnati. Buffalo. Like there's pretty good continuity there with with quarterback, head mm-hmm. coach, play caller, and with Dorsey back there again. So in Buffalo, as well as Andy Reid doing his thing. Um, and obviously you've got Taylor there in Cincinnati. So the, those three teams who have been kind of the class mm-hmm. of the AFC, and you've got that stability now. And then you've got teams like Detroit and Jacksonville that now are are able to build off what we saw last year in their success.
1: Yeah, because in, in Jacksonville, man, you talk about the advantage they have, they know for sure they have two new quarterbacks that are going to face young guys. Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Indianapolis and Houston, respectively. You have Tennessee Titans dealing with Ryan Tannehill, uh, but you have coordinator changing, all that other stuff. So if Jacksonville is able to just keep it together and you think that Trevor Lawrence makes a reasonable jump, I'm not even saying he makes a, a, a quantum leap, just makes a reasonable jump, but well, that gives you an opportunity to win the division. And we've talked about it. The race is... Can you stack enough wins to maybe backdoor into the number one seed? So now you get got two, two and you're to the the chip. That's yep. what everyone wants. You get two into the chip. I mean, man, that's that was the secret for the Patriots for so long. The Patriots were able to go because they would play two games, <laughs> and then they're that's in. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what it is. So you want to really play hard and get yourself in a position where you can get the bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. I'm going to get you five teams. I'm
0: going to say they're the five least-type teams, and they're uh, – Their teams, I think, might be better than we're giving them credit for at this point in time in the summer here. So we'll get to that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Buck, I'm going to rattle these off. Um, And again, no particular order with these five teams, but just five teams that I feel like we haven't heard much buzz about and how many times have we seen the offseason champ and all the hype and all the buzz and all the mm-hmm. excitement just kind of fizzle. And then there's all those other teams laying in the weeds and, and one of them, two of them, three of them maybe end up popping an emergence. So I'm going to give you five teams. I think I, you've heard nothing about this whole off Here we go. Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers Quiet. Uh, coming off, coming off of a year where even though the division was terrible, obviously at Tom Brady, they still won that division um, with a uh, what, eight and nine record. I believe Washington, the commanders, the Cleveland, the, I uh, almost called them the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Browns, which would be the Cleveland Guardians. So I've got – I almost called them there, – there's yes. been so much changeover in names, Buck, I've got them all circling through my head right now. Uh, so you've got Cleveland. You've got the Rams. Nothing's been said about them, uh, positive at least. And then you've got the Tennessee Titans, who we mentioned a little bit earlier. But those would mm-hmm. be the five teams I feel like nothing. Oh, just nothing on them this whole offseason.
1: Well, of those five teams – the team that I would most be excited about would be the Cleveland Browns. And the reason why the Browns are a team that excites me in terms of being uh, one of those teams that kind of comes out of nowhere to contend is because Deshaun Watson is going to be better in year two than he was. A couple of things impacted this play last year. And I've said this at other places. One, you can't take a year, almost two years off and expect that you're going to play at the level that you came back Two, from a mental standpoint. Uh, Deshaun Watson reminds me a little bit of LeBron James in terms of when he had to play the villain role, that doesn't really fit him. If -hmm. you go all the way back to when we watched Deshaun at Clemson, happy-go-lucky, smiling, very joyful, very cheerful. Early days in Houston, same way, joyful, cheerful, whatever. When it flipped and he was painted as the villain, that's not his MO. And knowing him a little bit, but I can't speak for him. I think, man, he feeds off of being liked, being respected, Mm -hmm. being whatever. And I believe that what he stepped into last year overwhelmed him, and I believe it impacted his play on the field. This season, not as much buzz about that stuff. He can lock in and focus. You will see a better version of Deshaun Watson this year than you saw last year. And quietly, what they've done on defense. Jim Schwartz coming over, giving them better structure, bigger organization. Miles Garrett. Being teamed up with Darius Smith, some of the other pieces that they have on defense. This Cleveland team is tough, and it's a very tough division. But if Deshaun Watson plays like we know he's capable of playing, man, you got to pick your poison in terms of how you deal with that offense. And then defensively, they have a defense that is built to play from ahead. So if they're able to get early leads, oh, Jeff wants will find a way to get it done.
0: Oh, it is. It is a good It's a really good point that you make there. I would say just to add on to that with Deshaun, obviously, a lot of it's his doing, you know, in terms of oh, the villain for hat. For sure. I yeah. mean, that that I don't know that we're ever going to see him viewed in the light that he was seen at when we knew him coming out of, out of college and what his mm-hmm. reputation was early in the year. That that's going to forever be an issue. But in terms of the spotlight and the attention I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what it was last year. Which to me, um, I think you'll see him be more comfortable. And, I, and the guy is talented, man. Like mm-hmm. we've known that forever, and we've seen it throughout his whole career until what we saw last year it didn't look like mm-hmm. the same guy um, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned: the layoff, the pressure, the attention. It was not. It was not. It wasn't uh, the Deshaun Watson we had seen in the past. I think we see a better version of him. And I'm with you on Schwartzy. I, I think is going to be great for Miles Garrett. Um, I think they got good pieces they're good in the trenches offensive line defensive mm-hmm. line they're kind of built they're built to win and they're a team again nobody's been talking about so uh, of those 5 teams if you asked me which one of these 5 teams has the best record at the end of the year I'm with you I would say Cleveland the the other team I would say of this bunch that I um, I think I'm I'm just I'm curious to see how they do cuz I think they have a chance to be a playoff team and nobody's talked about them as Washington Again, oh, for some yeah. of the sim- for some of the similar reasons. Like that's yeah. a front. If they keep the defensive front healthy and engaged, they can take over and dominate games, man. And they've they've shown in what they've done against Philadelphia in that division, how competitive they can be. They've got weapons on the outside. So um to me, I think they're the team that's of those five, the teams that haven't been talked about a lot. I, I think Cleveland is right, is is the best of the group. But I think Washington, if you're gonna say what one of these other teams has a shot, I'd say Washington.
1: I like the commanders. I like the mm-hmm. commanders defensively because they can rush with four and get home. I like the fact that they are poking the bear when it comes to Chase Young by saying, Yeah, nah, we're not giving. Yeah. We're not picking up the options. You're gonna have to play for it. You're gonna have to do this. You also have a hungry player on the other side in Montez Sweat. They paid Jonathan Allen, they paid Duron Payne. Right there, DJ. We're talking about four first-round picks. That front line should be able to dominate. And we've seen them dominate at times. A lot of it comes down to, I would say, Sam Howell being able to take care of the ball. I don't need Sam Howell to be a hero. I don't need Sam Howell to go out there and say, Hey, I got to put it all on my shoulders and do it. I need Sam Howell to go out there and not mess it up. The other thing, and I still worry about this part for the commanders. I wish they could run the ball. I wish they had a marquee running back like Brian Robinson. He's fine. Antonio Gibson has been kind of up or down. I wish they had an established runner to me. Dalvin Cook in that uniform changes how you have to play their defense, how you have to play their offense. And it opens up the field for McLaurin and those playmakers on the outside. That would be the team that if I could gift them a a marquee player, I would gift them Dalvin Cook in that situation. Because if he's there, it changes everything.
0: Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, You Think about that coaching staff that you know very well. If you go back in their track record, all the way back to your days connected Mm -hmm. with them, they value the run game. So there is a a belief in a value system there when it comes to running backs. That's what it wouldn't shock me if that's ultimately where he ended up going.
1: Yeah, now if they can run the football, and even with Brian Brian Robinson played, he played fine last year, but I'm just saying it just changes. When you see a marquee player in the backfield from a defensive coordinator standpoint, even if he's not what he once was, you still have to, hey, man, we might have to drop somebody in the box. we got to be prepared. We may have to go some one-on-ones and do those things, but... If the commanders are able to run the football and not have to put it on Sam Howell, yeah, they can win some of these grudge matches, some of these low scoring affairs and find their way into the postseason.
0: Yeah, And I'm excited to see Sam Howell. I'm excited to see what he looks like. I think he's going to be a little bit better than people anticipate. Um, so those are our five least type teams. I gave you a shot there. Uh, one of the other discussions I wanted to hit on, which is interesting for me from my standpoint, because I'm going to mention another team here that we just talked about briefly Last to first, I mean the division has been, you know, the NFC South where it's Mm -hmm. all clumped up. I don't think there was a team with a with a positive point differential in that division last year. Talked about the Bucks winning at eight and nine. Atlanta was in last place in that division. Mm -hmm. Of all the last to first potential uh, leaps, it seems to me that's the shortest distance to travel for the Atlanta Falcons to somehow manage to win that division.
1: Yeah, it's it's all right there for them. It's funny though, uh. You look at all the pieces that they have in place, you're kind of hanging your hat on Desmond Ritter being someone that can yeah. take the lead. And they played four games last year. He was okay. Can he be someone that raises his game up a notch? Because there's a difference between being a manager and a caretaker and being a playmaker. They will need him to be more of a playmaker based on their personnel, their personnel on the outside. You got to get the ball to Kyle Pitts. Uh, you got to get it to Drake London. Bijan comes over. Like there are a lot of weapons that need to touch the rock. Well, now it's on Desmond Ritter to be able to be the distributor, make good decisions, make the plays that are there to be made because that is ultimately what decides contest. Can your quarterback make enough plays in the clutch to win? If he plays well, yeah, the Atlanta Falcons can absolutely make that move from worst to first.
0: Yeah, I'm that. To me, seems to be the division uh, that that is up for grabs in terms of making that. That leap. Uh, last thing, Buck, I want to hit you on here, and we're going to have a little bit of an abbreviated episode today, but uh, NFC North, and this is not just to uh, placate Nabil here, uh, but I know you've done some work on this division and how you see it looking as we head into the fall. I've, I've, I have I've not seen what you wrote, so I've jotted down the order. This is so early, but the order, I think this thing ends up finishing up. Uh, I'm curious to see how, how far apart we are. What do you got?
1: Okay, so in this, I, I feel like there's been this black cloud over Green Bay because they lose Aaron Rodgers and everyone's like, oh my God, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers, but this is a really good Packers team. I mean, you look at their personnel and I know people take them to task for not expending first round picks on offensive skill players, but they've expended a lot of first round picks on defensive players. You go back, I think in their, they are try maybe eight first round picks on the defensive side of the ball, like DJ. So in my mind, when the Packers head into this season, Matt LaFleur has to acknowledge that this team is different than the previous teams that he coached. He can lean into playing more complimentary football, more situational football, where maybe the defense leads the way. So a lot of pressure is on Joe Barry to make sure this defense plays well. But DJ, they run the football. They got young pieces in Christian Watson and those things. And Jordan Love just got to hit the layup. He makes the plays. I believe this team can win the division all over again because as much as I love what Detroit has done, I still have questions about their defense. Minnesota had a ton of turnover. Where's like Justin Jefferson and who else on offense? (laughs) And then with Chicago, there's a lot of buzz and excitement about Justin Fields, but at the end of the day, he's going to have to throw it well enough to get people out of the box. And can he do that with the weapons that they have? Yes, DJ Moore is there, Chase Claypool, but can they do enough on offense? And really, I don't know if they've had enough on defense. So to me, it's Green Bay and Detroit and then it's a gap, and then Minnesota and Chicago continues to bring up the rear. All
0: right, that's interesting. I have a different order here, but I, I want to piggyback on what you we're talking about with Green Bay and ask you this question. Is there a chance that Green Bay is this year's Seattle where quarterback moves on? We assume, we assume the team that got the Hall of Fame quarterback is going to explode yeah. and take off, and we assume it's going to be a nightmare scenario for the team that just lost the quarterback. Is there a chance that this Green Bay team has a bunch of young emerging players that we get excited about like we did with Seattle last year?
1: Well, yeah, you can say addition by subtraction maybe because Aaron Rodgers is doing stuff in New York that he didn't do with Green Bay. He's really invested in the young guys in New York. You've seen him be around him. You've seen him taking him the games. He's done all of the good stuff in New York. He didn't do that last year with Christian Watson and those guys. Well, now what happens is you have Jordan Love who probably had to throw to those guys last offseason had to work with them some on scout team and those things. There may be a better synergy and connection between Jordan Love and the young playmakers and pass catchers on the perimeter. That right there is going to bode well for Matt LaFleur. Really, the key to me, it's not even a quarterback. The key to the Packers' success is Matt LaFleur. How does Matt mm-hmm. LaFleur handle? Okay, I don't have a four-time MVP. Does he have the ability to flip his mind in terms of the way that he plays? Because great coaches – they can look they can hit you with a few different styles. Does Matt LaFleur have the capacity to change his offensive approach based on what he has to complement what should be a defense that is much better than their offense this year?
0: Um no, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him. It's going to be different for him for sure, but I think in some ways it might be invigorating a little bit uh getting should be. to work
1: with Jordan Love. It should
0: be. It, it should, should be. be. It should be. If um, we're
1: if we're all aligned, cuz you know this DJ, if I'm yeah. your coach, you're the general manager, uh, when we made the pick for Jordan Love, we should have been aligned anyway because yeah. you, you've you run it past me. Hey, what do you think? Oh, I man, I can work with him. This okay, now it's time to work mm-hmm. with him. And yeah. so my only thing with Matt LaFleur in the past is he was so hanging to, clinging to Aaron Rodgers, and I understand it, rightfully so, four-time MVP, but you still got to build up the young guy because at some point we knew this was going to come to pass. Jordan Love was going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and so have they done enough? Has Matt LaFleur done enough to build him up, to get him ready to play winning football in Green Bay.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we're going to find out. I want I want to mention a couple of these rookies here for them, by the way. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, first-round pick, another defensive player to throw in the mix. Luke Musgrave, one of the most athletic tight ends uh, we've seen come into the league the last few years. Jaden Reed, who gives them some speed at the receiver position to complement some young speed that they already had, uh, as well as some return value. Tucker Craft, another tight end. Like Kind of looking through their draft class, and I- I'm trying to see, okay, do they have the capability of doing what we saw Seattle do? Um, now, obviously, the base of this roster is in better shape than the base of Seattle's roster was. Seattle had to rely on a lot more of those young guys. I think they have a little more of a stable roster there in Green Bay. But some of those names I just mentioned, they're going to have to be key contributors as well for this Green Bay team to exceed what the expectations are.
1: Yeah, no, they're going to have to be key contributors. They have to be able to hit the ground running. And i am be honest with you, man, if I'm I'm the head coach. Uh, for the Packers, I'm honoring and I am on the defense at every turn. I'm on Joe Barry. I'm nipping at his heels. I'm I'm trying to let him know, hey, man, the pressure's on because, guys, we need the defense to be the best unit on the team. The defense has to be at the forefront. The offense is going to be the compliment. It hasn't been like that, I mean, for, de- for a decade, uh, maybe two decades, in Green Bay. Can they flip and become more of a defensive-centric team where his defense running game – Then Jordan Love, as opposed to being quarterback, explosive offense, and old defense, get a few takeaways, and that's how we went. It's a completely shift, complete shift, and so a lot of pressure on Matt Lafleur, but a ton of pressure on the defense and Joe Barry.
0: Yeah, you you are a little more optimistic on them than I am. When I just jotted this down, I actually picked Detroit. I just think Detroit, and you talk about the defense and the holes. The defense got better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about it on the pod, how they figured things mm-hmm. out. They changed how they played. They got they got better as the season went along. They added some nice veteran pieces into that mix as well. Those young guys going to year two, I think, take a leap. They were already good as, as first-year players. I think they get even better in year number two. I like the continuity of quarterback and play color on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm in on Detroit. I have Minnesota second. Just because of, you know, Kirk Cousins, I just know more what I have there. For Mm -hmm. better or for worse, I know what I have with Kirk. Uh, Whereas with Jordan Love, it's a TBD. So I I had Detroit, Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago. The one thing I feel like, you know, I'm hopeful for Chicago, that they're going to get things going. They still feel like that's clearly the fourth team in this division.
1: Uh, To me, it's clear and apparent. I'll say this about Minnesota. If I'm optimistic about them, I'm optimistic because Brian Flores and what they're going to do on defense. Yeah. Uh, he is going to heat him up. We saw how he was able to do it in Miami. And if he is able to make sure that his guys in the back end don't allow the ball to fly over the top of the defense, man, he's going to give people problems with that cover zero bluff and blitz stuff that he was doing Uh, and talking to him at the combine. He's like, man, they're already two steps beyond when everyone was catching up with their old stuff, they got some more tricks. And so I can't wait to see him unveil those tricks. Also, with Brian Flores, what did he learn from his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, it's a different different defense
0: than what he'd run.
1: Yeah, so not only different defense, but what did he learn from Mike Tomlin in terms of, hey, man, no excuses. You give me whatever I got, I'll figure out how to win with it. I think there is something to being around someone who's been able to kind of take lesser parts and figure it out. What can Brian Flores do with, look, man, he's hamstrung in a few different areas. Can he make them better with tactics and scheme? as opposed to just the, the talent that he has in front of him.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting division. And and you look at what they do on the defensive side of the ball, as well as, you know, can this offense take another step? Did a nice job there with Kevin O'Connell last year. Can they continue to progress and, and move forward? That'll be interesting to see there with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, our next episode, Buck, coming up later this week, we are going to do a QA. and a So uh, we're going to open it up to you guys. If you're listening to this pod, by the way, you have a couple ways to get these questions in. You can go on Twitter, and you mm-hmm. can hit up me or Bucky um, with a question. Nabil's going to go through those uh, feeds and try and pull some questions off there, or. Um, you can always go on the Apple podcasts, uh, review se- uh, session, uh, section, I should say, leave us a little note on there, something about the pod you like, uh, something you want to see us do. If you have a question, drop the question in there, leave us a rating review. We appreciate those as well. Um, we'll be periodically checking on those. So if we don't get it this time, we'll get it, uh, as we go forward, but a little Q and a, I thought, you know, let's open this up. We get a lot of comments on the episodes we're doing a lot of comments on the videos that get posted. Um, but I thought this would be an opportunity for us to let's let's put the ears out there a little bit. Let's open our ears a little bit and see if we can't uh, get some questions answered.
1: No, no, no. I like that. Um, I do. The, do we need a hashtag? Do they need a hashtag? Should they hashtag MTS? I think as- sure?
0: hashtag ask MTS is an easy one to do. Uh, so yeah. we can we can do that. And we'll tweet it out as well. Both of us will tweet it out. Hashtag ask MTS and we'll, uh, we'll yeah, get will Yeah, that works. So
1: there. that way we can just see it, make sure it falls up in our feed. But yeah, give us good questions. Part of what we love doing is Man, we love kind of like teaching ball and teaching from our perspective and our uh, experiences. And so if you Mm -hmm. have an opportunity to ask a question, something that you always want to know, whatever, like, man, let's do it. Like, let's have a little open forum, have a little fun before the season starts.
0: I I want to add one more thing here before we get out of here, Buck, and I'll let you comment on as well. Uh, Absolutely. I think it's something we should mention. Uh, a, A good buddy of ours, Todd McShay um uh, espn yeah. has had all uh, you know they've been trimming payroll it's just mm-hmm. it's going on all over the place in the media world mm-hmm. right now and and unfortunately our buddy uh, todd got caught up in that but todd is somebody we've known for a long time we've had good relationship with todd todd is, is somebody we like somebody that we really respect uh yeah. i don't know i don't know what the all the contract stuff and uh, that gets messy um but I would love to have him on. I would love to bring him on uh, if we mm-hmm. can, whenever we can, to have him on here. But more than anything else, I just want to say, um, you know, it sucks, man. He's a, he's a he's a great dude. He does a great job. We are in the draft field, mm-hmm. as you know, with our background. We've been in this for a long time, twenty plus years. Um, it's a tight knit community, and you don't want to see somebody who we know works really hard, does a really good job, lose their job.
1: Now, DJ, let's be real about this. Um, he one of the pioneers at the front end. When you think about like the media yeah. scout business, like he he is there. I mean, I know we were uh, on the NFL side when he was cutting his teeth and kind of doing his thing. But I go all the way back to when was it Gary Horton in the, uh, yeah. the war room, the war room, yeah. war room like Todd yep. was a part of that. And I also remember like I don't know if you did this, but when I was working for a team, I remember looking at him and Pat Kerwin. And all those mm-hmm. guys who had made the transition because they were at the forefront of the movement where you had scouts going into the media side. And so that kind of gave you light and an and an idea like, well, maybe I can go on that side and do something a little different. I can still kind of mm-hmm. do what I love, but do it uh, in a different way. And so, yeah, without Todd having the success that he had over at ESPN, Mel Kiper and some of those other guys. Yeah, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to do the stuff that we've done at NFL Network, NFL Media, the podcast that we have, um, and those things. So, yes, it sucks you hate to see those things. And I contrary to popular opinion, we're not competitors. We all like no, doing we're this, buddies. You know? Yeah. Yeah, this 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 is what we do. So, yeah, like love to have them on, love to share because DJ, the one thing that happens when you get a bunch of scouts together, great conversations mm-hmm. commence. You know, what you learned? what have you seen, who have you seen, what do you like, what don't you like, ah, you know, I missed this. That stuff elevates your ability to evaluate. So, man, I'm all for it for sure.
0: Yeah, and there's so many. We could go to a million stories on top. But anyways, he, the one I'll just mention is one of my favorite things that the draft is always on day three. And if there's a random pick or something that you weren't expecting, usually the sets we can, you can see the ESPN set from where we are. And every now and then, now you can't be looking at the camera right here and, and Todd be over there. And every now and then just like, this it's like,
1: who's this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Like, like that, that's, and you know, neither one of us are on camera at the time, but those, that, those are fun. Those are fun moments. So, um, but anyways, yeah, man, you know, and,
1: and let's, let's say this, man, it's, it's really a, a very, very difficult time. And so, you know, Todd and a lot of other guys have been kind of caught up in that mix, even at our place. And so, like, you hate to see anybody who works hard, does a good job, kind of fall on the outside end, be it circumstances beyond their control. So for everybody caught up that, Todd included, man, yeah. you hope that they get to the other side and they're able to kind of move onward and upward, as we say. And so uh, for him and for all these other people that we know, colleagues and stuff that have been caught up in this, I mean, this is a very tough time in our industry right now.
0: It really is. Um, Things are changing. Uh, You know, the encouraging thing for anybody that's got caught up in this, you mentioned we've had a lot of friends at our network as well as other networks around. Um, The good news is it's not a one or two or three, you know, spot. Mm hmm shot anymore you can get out and there's so many more entities that are growing media entities that you can get involved in you can do your own thing you can get on youtube and knock it out you can do your own Mm -hmm. podcast like there's opportunity there but with that we've seen some of the opportunities in the traditional houses kind of you know shrink so it's you know it, anyways, I I didn't want to leave the podcast today without acknowledging that because Todd is a, is a good friend of both ours and he hates seeing stuff like this.
1: Oh, absolutely. Look, it's gut wrenching when you see those things, you see the names come across the ticker and all that other stuff. So, uh, yeah, love to have him on, man. Best wishes to him because I know he'll land on his feet. But yeah, you talk about having more conversations, bringing them on to talk, man, we should do it.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully that uh, we can figure out a way to get that done. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us today. I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. Again, Q and A. Don't forget hashtag Ask MTS. You can hit us up on social media um, or leave a, a, a question in the Apple Podcast reviews, and we'll we'll find it and we'll get it answered on the next episode. So appreciate you guys hanging with us. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks.